Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Football Frenzy. The countdown is on to Fantasy Football 2018. Corey Parson, the Fantasy Executive, along with my man George Kurtz. It is the Fantasy Football Frenzy. The weekend edition right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Cannot wait. Starting to get butterflies. The anticipation grows as we count down closer and closer to Fantasy Football 2018. Coming up on the program today, I want to talk about some running backs. Not really the top guys. We already know what they bring to the table. We already know what their value are. I want to look at some of the guys that might be in timeshares and stuff like that. Get my man George Kirch's opinion on them. Get my opinion, as always, on the weekend edition. Telephone lines is open, 844-843-6879. It's a telephone number to get involved. I know a lot of you got keeper questions coming up, dynasty leaguers, rookie drafts, whatever you want to talk about. We got you covered over the course of the next program. So, also got some big news to announce everybody that's been clamoring, asking about the fantasy football frenzy on Twitter. The frenzy... The weekday edition will debut this Monday morning, tomorrow afternoon, not morning, at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So it's time to get the band back together and we get the fantasy football frenzy rolling. Obviously, the goal here is to get you ready for the 2018 fantasy football season. That is also going to be the goal of the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package, which will be coming out in a few short weeks hand-in-hand, those are your guides to dominate in 2018. Let me bring in my man, the answer expert, the blue line, George Kurtz. George, what's good with you? Good. I guess good afternoon, Mr. Parsons. Uh, It's been a wee, uh, it's been a, uh, a wacky morning for me. You know, my daughter had a soccer game. It got moved twice. Now it's a forfeit. You know, it's, uh, I'm going to see Solo later. A little, little, little hand Solo, a little Lando Calrissian. So, uh, my day can only get better. Same over here, George. I had a very uh, uh, unfortunate yet interesting day yesterday. A couple of things took place. So um, really just trying to get through the next couple of hours. And uh, definitely good to be on here talking football with you as a break from some of the things that's going on. But before we get into the football talk, George, what's the deal? What's going on with the uh, with the Stanley Cup? What's, how are we looking? Well, we're looking good here. Washington, Washington Capitals, they're up two games to one. They lost game one in a game you can make a pretty good argument. They should have won that game, too. They really outplayed uh, the Vegas Golden Knights so far in the Stanley Cup, which in my mind is a good thing. You know, Corey, you and I are a Cowboy fan. And yeah. I bring that up because, uh, you know, one, one knock on Tony Romo was always that never won the big game. You know, never couldn't, couldn't win the playoffs. That's what made pretty much makes him not a great quarterback. Well, Alexander Ovechkin, who's one of, in my mind one of the greatest is, is the greatest NHL scorer ever, has the same exact knock. Never been able to win the Stanley Cup. Never been able to do it. Well, he's two games away. And I'm not a Capitals fan, but I'm rooting for him, mainly because I don't want this hanging over his head, that people are going to say he's not one of the best ever. 
because he didn't win his uh, Stanley Cup. So he's two games away. Capitals up 2-1. Game four is tomorrow night. That's right, tomorrow night, game four, so that's pretty good. I'm glad we got that covered. NBA, they go for game two later on tonight. Series, Golden State Warriors have a one nothing lead. And after the uh, game one, obviously one of the most interesting and epic games in recent memory in NBA history and definitely one of the better finals games. So it looks like we are winding down to the end of these two sports, which means it's time to pick up the pigskin, George, and get ready for some fantasy football action. So, George, let me ask you this. <clears throat> we start off. This is where I kind of want to start off today. And I was thinking about this when um, I was walking back from getting my uh, – I was going to get me something to eat this morning. They didn't have what I want. For the next two hours, you may hear my stomach rumble as we talk in fantasy football, but just know I'll be fine. George, matter of fact, before I get into that, George, if I was to, like, pull out the Uber Eats app and order some Uber Eats while I'm doing the show, if I was to have to go outside to pick it up, you would be cool holding it down, right? Well, you know, I'll be a little annoyed that I'm not getting anything because I'm hungry. <laughs> right, I haven't eaten anything either here. And during the commercial breaks, you're gonna, I'll be chomping down. I think I got some, maybe some rolls with some butter. That's about the best I can do during the breaks here. But uh, you, did you have to bring up food? Cause it just reminded me, damn, I haven't eaten yet. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, sometimes the Saturday nights, uh, George, turn into Sunday mornings. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I used to know what you mean. I really don't know oh, what yeah. that means anymore. <laughs> George, so now your Saturday nights are Saturday nights, huh? And Sunday mornings are Sunday mornings. Yeah, generally, you know, you do things a little differently now when you got uh, a couple of kids. The wife, even though the wife was out later than I was last night, uh, as a, they had a party. I, I get up kind nice. of early. Uh, I was up at 9 going to the gym, so I was a good boy. Good job. So there you go. I should probably join you on that program instead of uh, turning Saturday nights into Sunday mornings. Let me, I want to ask you particularly, George, about Saquon Barkley. And what would your exposure be to Barkley this upcoming season? Barkley is normally gone within the first seven to nine picks of a draft. Do you see yourself having shares of Saquon Barkley? And if so, what running backs were you are you willing to draft Saquon Barkley ahead of? First questions first, your exposure to Barkley this year. I have nothing against Barkley. I think the Giants going to have a good offense. You know, I know this is people always misread what I say about this. I think the Giants made a bad pick in Barkley. And when I, I has nothing against Barkley. I think Barkley's going to be a star. But in my mind, today's NFL, you can't pass up on a possible franchise quarterback. You know, if the Giants truly believe that nobody outside Baker Mayfield, which who at first to Cleveland was a franchise quarterback, if that's what GM Gettleman truly believes, all right, then I get it. But if he, doesn't, if he actually thinks Donald or Rose and Allen, uh, Lamar Jackson, whoever, if he thinks any of these other guys would have been a franchise quarterback, then you can't pass up on that at two because that's what wins at today's NFL. And Eli Manning, I mean, come on. Even the best-case scenario has, what, two seasons left? Maybe? So I think they made a mistake there. But as for Barkley, uh, I, have to think, I think he's going to be very good. The Giants have reinforced their offensive line, right? It's gotten better. It's not great, but it's gotten better. You sign Nate Soda. You, you draft the uh, I, his name escapes me in the second round. So it's gotten better. So I like what they've done there. So I, I'll I'll draft uh, Barkley. I think Yellow Manning still can be an adequate quarterback. Beckham's back, healthy. He'll be a threat. You know the Shepherd on the opposite of him. Ingram at uh, tight end. This is an offense where if that offensive line doesn't fall apart, and I don't think it will. I, I, don't, I think it'll be average, uh, a good solid average line. I think they put up points this year. So the only running backs I'm taking ahead of uh, Barkley, without a doubt, are Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, and Ezekiel Elliott. 
you know, anyone after that, even David Johnson, I could be talking to taking Barkley over Johnson. I could be talking to taking Barkley over Kamara. I'm not saying I would, but I could be talked into it. The only three I have ahead of them, Bell, Gurley, Elliott. Wow, that's interesting right there, George. That's about as high as I've seen him rank so far as running back four off the board. I think I would still take – I'll be honest with you, and maybe I'll be the guy that doesn't have many shares of him because I still feel as if that I would take a guy like Alvin Kamara over him. I would take David Johnson over him. I would take Kareem Hunt over him. When I would start to look in at Barkley is when I get into that Melvin Gordon, Leonard Fournette area. And even those two guys, I can see myself taking over Barkley. I get exactly what you're saying, and we do think it's a generational all-world talent in Barkley. Listen, the talent on the Giants' offense is real. I get it. Eli Manning and these guys are learning a new system, though, and I always tell people, do not discount when you have changes in coordinators during the offseason. Atlanta last year was a perfect example. Everybody went back to the Falcons players, and they had a change in offensive coordinator. Shanahan goes to San Fran. Don't get me wrong. Sarkeesian wasn't horrible. He did a decent job. But comparing him to what happened the year before, it took the Falcons a little while to get that system rolling. Remember, the Falcons didn't go on that streak to win the playoffs, to get into the playoffs until about November when Matt Ryan started to get the offense down. That's the only thing I would caution about, Eli. It's a team that averaged 13 points a game last year. And now you're telling me two of their players is in, is in the first round with a change at coordinator. But by the same token, I agree with you, the talent speaks for itself. You make a valid argument. I mean, uh, it's, it's valid because a change in offense, it does sometimes take teams longer than others. Uh, I should say teams, players longer than others to figure out that offense. Uh, Beckham, listen, you want to go on? Beckham's coming off the ankle injury. Maybe he's not, mm-hmm. not as fast. Maybe he can't cut as sharp as he used to. So you can go on and on about this. And, you know, now that, you know, two Giants in the first round does seem odd. It really does seem odd to do that. I think this also speaks to the dearth of running backs. Now, like I said, no I only have, there's only three guys I said I would definitely take over him. Kamara, uh, in the end, I probably would go Kamara over him. I'm not going to, I don't know about David Johnson, because I don't trust that offense whatsoever. There's no one there. I mean, they got Larry Fitzgerald, and then you pray a prayer at quarterback. What, that Bradford stays healthy? You're going to go with the rookie? Yeah, that always works out well. So I, I, I don't think I'll take David Johnson over him. Kareem Hunt, same thing about Mahomes. I mean, it's a rookie quarterback. They're going to they're gonna stop Hunt, make Mahomes beat them. So I can't go there. Fournette is another guy I really like. So he's another, he's another guy, once again, you could convince me. But even if you convince me on both, it still moves uh, sparkly for me no further down than six. I think yeah. the bottom line is this. I'm still likely taking him in the first round, n- certainly no later than top second round. I want to ask you, um, I, we may have brought this up last week. We talked about Odell and coming back from the injury, and he's been good soldier through the OTAs, through the mini camps. George, I don't think he's going to show up for training camp, though. I don't. Isn't that I strange, think, though? I don't think he shows up for training camp. Why do he show up to the uh, voluntary but not the stuff he's going to get fined for? I, I do the reverse. I, I'm not I losing money, if, man. No, I feel you. I feel as if he signed. He. I feel as if he comes to the voluntary to show good faith and maybe get some talk started to see where they're going to go. But I think ah. when it gets down to the nitty-gritty coming off that injury, he's going to be like, okay, listen, what are we going to do? I'm sitting out until we figure it out. You know they want him to be in there because regardless of the talent of Barkley and Ingram and some of the other guys, I even put Sterling Shepard in that mix. Uh, Odell Beckham is the guy that makes that offense click, period. At this oh, point, absolutely. at least. 
Uh, I know, you're, you're absolutely right. Because he's the one who's uh, the deep threat, the guy who can take everything to the house as soon as he catches the ball. So you're, you're 100% correct that he's the guy, he's the guy the, the, the engine that's going to drive that offense. It's uh, interesting, what you bring. it's a negotiating ploy. You know, do everything right, be a, be a good soldier. And listen, it wouldn't shock me if his agent told him this. Show up, say everything nice, you know, act, act like the, uh, you know, the good soldier, all that stuff. Makes sense this way. And we're hearing it. Maybe it's working. We're hearing the Giants uh, might be willing to give him that long-term deal. Might be able to work out a long-term deal. If it works out, great. If not, we hold out during training camp. But I believe, what was that, $15,000 a day? Man, that adds up quick. And that's money you can't make back. I mean, maybe well, I shouldn't say that because a lot of these te- a lot of these teams, when you sign a they'll new contract, they in, say they'll put yeah, that in the contract. Yeah, we'll we'll waive the uh, the fee there. So maybe maybe it does happen. Uh, it wouldn't shock because, like I said, I am. I said this last week. I am shocked that he's here in the in the voluntary OTA. I never thought he would have shown to these at all. You know, I thought he would. That would have been one way to do it. But uh, you're right. Another way to do it is uh, could be you know be a big. Say everything nice, be nice to the media, nice to the team, show up, do everything you're supposed to do, and see if you can work it out that way. You know, was it, what, what do they say about flies? Catch more with honey? Yeah, you do. You do. If you, if you catch more flies with honey than you catch with sugar, honey, iced tea. So there you go right there. Sugar, honey, iced tea, George. Just take the first letter. I got it. I got it. <laughs> I'm a smart guy. Every now and then I get it. <laughs> I don't have to break it down no further for you. So there you go right there. Good times with my man. Oh, boy, I tell you what, George. Mm-mm. These running backs, right, 2000, they, they, they start to get unsafe very quickly. I think maybe the first 14, the first 13 guys are safe. And I think after that, everybody else is going to have question marks. Now, you playing the 12-team league, the goal is, well, everybody can have one. It's one. It's going to be one out there for everybody. George, how, first of all, how do you feel about LaShawn McCoy, George? Put it like, well, now how do you feel about him? Are you comfortable with LaShawn McCoy as a running back one? Well, it's funny, though, when you say safe and you say 13, I got it at 10 because I don't have McCoy in there as safe. Because McCoy's that back. He's just going to drive me crazy, Coy, because, you know, every Sunday you're waiting for the 1130 inactives because he's questionable every week and you always have to make roster decisions based on whether or not LaShawn McCoy plays plus you throw in the quarterback situation there once again I mean it, it's even if, if it's McCarron either way it's pretty much a rookie starting there so you know defense is gonna we're gonna stop McCoy force the quarterback to beat us and that's the way I'd approach it now you know you know that's where NFL defensive coach is going to approach it you know is he going to be the goal line back again sometimes it's Jess sometimes it's no I, I can't put him in the safe category. He's not top 10 for me. He's just outside of it. Uh, so, he, like I said, McCoy, McCaffrey, Freeman, I don't have any of these guys as, as being safe running backs. And those were the guys I was going to mention as the guys that maybe are on the edge, McCoy, Mc, uh, McCaffrey, and Freeman. I like McCaffrey because of what he can do in the PPR, and I think North Turner has got to be crazy not to get him the football. And Freeman, I'm just a, a fan of his running style and the way he plays. I understand the concussions. I would deem those guys are safe. But I think we kind of figure that part out, and we know that. But then we get into this middle area. Where then we get into an area of players where it's muddled. And one of the guys that we spoke about a lot last year, and every year you're going to have this with rookie running backs. You're going to have some that pop out of nowhere. You're going to have the guys that you know are going to do well. And then you're going to have the guys like Joe Mixon, who last year a lot of people were on, though we had a very good situation. Mixon didn't show. Does Mixon show this year, George? Now, I was one of those guys who was on Mixon last year. You I'm know, not going to lie. I have him in a couple big places, too. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably uh... – Probably a third of my leagues I had mixing. So when it didn't work Ooh. out for him, that, that hurt. 
That hurt a lot. Yeah, he's the guy who was able to grab. I don't think it was all his fault. I think there are two problems here. One, uh, it seemed like Lewis wanted the head coach wanted him to sort of earn his spot. Yeah. He, I don't know if he can do that in football. Right, the season's too need, short. Lewis needs to earn his spot. Yeah, well, that's that's another story. You're, you're right about that. <laughs> but the, the season's too short in football. You know, if, he, if he's the better back, he has to play. It's only 16 games there. All right, so I thought that was strange. The the other thing is the offensive line was poor. It was yep. bad. And he was getting hit in the backfield a lot. It was really more made for Giovanni Bernard, who can get outside, make some moves, maybe make the first guy miss. The offensive line was not built for someone like uh, like the uh, mixes. So I think that was a problem as well. They've made some moves there also this season. Not as big as what the Giants did, but they've made some moves to improve it. So I'm going to like Mixon a little bit more, but he is what he is right now. He's a mid-range running back, too. A lot of people won championships with Kenyon Drake last year. A lot of people coming into this season are going to be high on guys like Jay Ajayi and Darius Geis and Rashad Penny. We'll break those running backs down when we come back. Me and George will give you our opinion on those guys. Obviously, telephone lines open 844-843-6879. It is the Fantasy Football Frenzy, the weekend edition. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone, we promise. No weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, Fantasy football frenzy right here at FNTSY Radio. Fantasy exec George Kurtz. Want to get you involved also. Hey, George, tell you what. I had last year I started with, I had 11 uh, redrafts last year, right? 12-team redrafts. And, you know, obviously you're not going, well, I had 11 12-team redrafts. You're not going to take all 11 to the championship. You're not going to take all 11 to the playoffs. To be honest with you, you're not going to get all 11 with at least six or seven wins. So as the year is breaking down and things are shaking out, I got two teams that I feel are in pretty good shape. One of those teams had DeAndre Hopkins on it. And I also caught some lightning in the bottle with Devin Funches, who came through at times. And I also, you know, had a mismatch of a uh, pack of running backs. Whenever they would have good games, they would be in the lineup. So I had two teams I took real deep. The one team that I won a championship on, my running backs that I played throughout the playoffs and going down the stretch were Todd Gurley and Kenyon Drake. Now, with Todd Gurley, obviously, if you had Todd Gurley on your fantasy football team last year, you more than likely won a championship. I think he averaged somewhere in the PPR, somewhere like 49 points a game throughout the course of the fantasy playoffs, maybe in the highest ever. I think I saw uh, one of the fantasy guys put that stat out there. <clears throat> but Kenyon Drake was really special for that team because what Drake was able to do down the stretch when he got the opportunity and was getting more chances, a lot of people that had Drake last year 
ended up winning their championships. He was a humongous player down the stretch. Now as we get back and get ready for 2018, I'm looking at Kenyon Drake and I'm thinking to myself, man, the Dolphins are going to suck. What is this going to do for Drake? And how do you draft Drake this year? Clearly, in my opinion, he's not an RB1. He's an RB2. I get it. He's a risky RB2, though, George. He is, but everybody we're talking about now is, is going to have some kind of risk, right? And you, throw, so you didn't even mention, you know, we're hearing noise. And once again, I think this is more a, uh, a really the coach trying to make sure the player, uh, the player is practicing hard and doing all he can. But we're hearing that, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not a foregone conclusion that Drake is going to be the starter here. You know, we got Frank Gore, future Hall of Famer. I think they're just trying to build it up to, uh, you know, to really demotivate. Drake, that's where I'm going with this. So I, I don't, I'm, I don't really put much faith, uh, much stock in Frank Gore. That being said, he is there, and he's yeah. not going to be there, be on the bench, to, you know, for 60 minutes. He's going to get his uh, a certain amount of plays there. But you do wonder if Drake gets up to a slow start. Gore's playing better. You know, does that push the change here? You mentioned Miami's not a good team. They can't afford to wait for Drake to figure it out if he, if, if he gets up to a slow start. So I, once again, it's a worry. But every running back we're talking about now, we're going to be able to point something out that we don't like. And this is what this is what bothers me about Drake. Really nothing else. I think he'll be fine. I think he is the guy. But he is a running back, too. And he's a mid-range. He's not even a high-end running back, too. He's always no boring a running back one. He's a mid-range running back, too. That being said... I'll take him. If he's my second running back, I'm probably pretty happy because it means I got a pretty good, pretty damn good first running back. All right. If he's your second running back in round three, I don't like it. If he's your second running back in round four, I can live with it. The thing is, you know, you and I are going to go over this. There's just not enough running backs to go around. So they're all going to be – yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. By value, you want him in round four. The problem is he's probably going to go round three because running backs are going to run out so fast. So fast, because we're all going to be looking at this and going, oh, my God, it's, you know, I can get Ajayi, I can get Drake, maybe Darius Geis, or, I can, or, you know, the, or there's great receivers on the board. Well, you know, uh, receiver's deep. I can wait another round to get my next receiver, but if I wait on the running back, now I'm going to look at Marshawn Lynch, you know, Royce Freeman, someone like Duke Johnson, Chris Thompson. That's going to be the range of running backs you're going to look at. That's why I think these running backs are going to go around earlier than they, than they probably actually should. And see, and that's the problem because everybody's – listen, here we are, the beginning of June. We're talking fantasy football, right? People are going to start checking in more and more, and everybody's going to be saying the same thing. So by the time we get to August and we sit down at draft tables, everybody's going to be like, I got to get one of these running backs. So it's not going to be no secrets out there that running back is going to be a shallow or a thin position in the 2018 season. And the thing about Drake is – I think Drake is talented. I think Frank Gore, going back to Miami, is a swan song. If I'm not mistaken, but I'm almost pretty certain Frank Gore is from Miami. But now, with that being said, it's not so much that Gore is there or that I think Gore is going to take a lot of work from Drake. I still think Drake can do do more than Gore can with a little, with less amount of touches. What I worry about is just the Dolphins are going to be god-awful. The Dolphins might be a three-win team. And when you have fantasy players from a three-win team and the quarterback is Ryan Tannehill, how much points are they going to score? Dolphins a three-win team? Come on. They're not going to be good, but they're not going to be a three-win team. Didn't they make the playoffs last year? No, they close to it. Two years ago, they made the playoffs. They got rid of everybody. They got rid of Jarvis Landry is not there. I'm, I know you're not a Tannehill guy. They play guy. the Jets twice. <laughs> the Jets can beat them twice. 
Oh, come on. Once, maybe. They played Buffalo twice. That's, that's at least two wins right there. Granted, okay. I, don't know if I'm gonna, I don't know if I can find two more wins, but uh, they got at least two. I, I don't see them being I, – listen, I think they – think once again, I, I, I have them winning six games, so it's not like I think they're going to be world beaters either. I think Ryan Tannehill is also playing probably for his future, at least as a starting quarterback for Miami, because after this, there's really not much guaranteed money coming his way, so there's pressure on him as well uh, to perform, perform better than he has. Uh, it's tricky with Mike, because you're right, the uh, – you know, you let Sue go, and you probably had to let Sue go because I think his, what, it would have been $25 million against the cap. You can't pay uh, a defensive tackle that much money. You know, Landry go. I, I'm not sure if Devontae Parker's ready for prime time either. They did draft the tight end, but he's not going to be ready. The offense is in flux. The defense is okay at best. Uh, boy, you, you're actually, now that I think about it, you're convincing me more of the three, uh, the three win range. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, so maybe, maybe that's not that as far off as I think yet. I'm looking at their schedule too. Schedule says they'll win more than three. They don't. They don't have all okay. that tough of schedule. But uh, they got games like against uh, Indianapolis is in there. I see uh, Detroit, Chicago, Cincinnati, Oakland. Uh, not that they'll beat all these teams, but if they beat half of them. It could give them the five wins. So it's going to be a bad team, which also could mean once again, if you're going negative wise, bad team means second half. Guess what Dump they're off. doing? Dumping yeah, it all. Dump it, so you look at a PPR, more valuable there. Uh, that could be, of course, be throwing the ball deeper into the back, uh, into the secondary. So maybe if they don't do a dump off, or he's not, uh, uh, you know, I can see a proficient in dump offs. That's where I was going with that. I like Drake. I, I really do like Drake. I think he is the guy to own there, but I just don't think they're going to forget about Gore. I don't think Gore's ever going to take the starting job here, but I think he's going to take away a certain amount of touches. And I just wonder what happens, once again, if Gore happens to be playing better. I mean, we all, I do think this is Gore's swan song. I agree. But. He last two years, this three years really, he's pretty much had a thousand yards a year, and this is pretty much without luck and with an offensive line that's terrible. Yeah, no, Gore's a beast. Gore's a beast. You know what? People, a lot of people won't uh, won't think about this or may look past this. Not only is Frank Gore going to be a Hall of Famer, he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Now you may look at it and say, well, he's putting up these numbers because of volume, but Frank Gore, when you look at his numbers statistically, it's going to be one of the best running backs in NFL history. All right, I got to ask you this because I've had this uh, – I wouldn't call it not. I've had this debate with a couple of people. Do you care? Does it make a difference to you? The fantasy exam. ballot? Do you care? What ballot? What ballot? Do, do, does it, is a Hall of Famer a Hall of Famer or does first ballot mean so – if, if Corey's voting for the Hall of Fame, you, you know, you get your B, BB – whatever that – and whatever Hall of Fame card the NFL has, I was gonna say BBWA, but that's baseball. I think it's P. I think it's PFWA. PFW. That that is it. Okay, you get your card. I if, if does a guy have to be a, a superstar? You know, uh, the goat, Tom Brady. Does he have to be someone like Tom Brady to get first ballot? Do you leave somebody off? You say, oh, this guy's definitely a Hall of Famer, but he's not God. He's not Brady. He's not a goat. I'm not gonna put him on the first ballot. Is that what you do, or is Tagore Parsons a Hall of Famer? Is a Hall of Famer? I, I think I might be in the minority in this, but I'm one of the guys that look at it like I think you going in on your first ballot, your first opportunity to get in, I think that's something special. And I think that shows a true dominance at your position. I think that shows a championship level of play. And I think that shows a guy that, as you could say, at some point was the best at his position in the NFL. Now, Frank Gore may have not ever been the best running back, but the thing about Frank Gore is when you look at his numbers, I'm not mistaken, but if you look at the all-time NFL rushing leaders, I'm pretty certain Frank Gore is inside the top eight. Oh, I agree with you. Uh, Gore's the first ballot. I mean, you could argue he's a more of a compiler rather than yeah, big he, season. I was going to say that. I, he was gonna, you could say he's a compiler. 
You can, but still, what, what's the uh, in fantasy? We say this all the time. What's the, uh, at least I say it all the time. What's the most important ability? Availability. Availability. And Gore has had availability. And the right, Gore's available. Compiler, exactly. He's playing to 37, 38 years old at the running back, a position that ends careers at 27, 28. God bless. I mean, once again, he's a freak. And most, of, listen, most professional athletes are freaks. And I like the rest of us. Yeah. That's why they're professional athletes. You know, he's a freak. His body's been able to hold up, takes care. The man takes care of himself. I mean, really what it comes down to, and he still has the joy of playing, uh, which in this day and age, because I'll be honest, if I'm Frank Gore, I have really nothing left to prove. I got all the money. I know I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm not going through this. I'm not, I don't want to get beat up anymore. That's just the way I am. You know, but uh, so good for him for playing here. And, you know, I, I built that all up, the, the, you know, the first ballot thing for you, and I actually agree with you. I, I'd be pretty close to the same thing. My, my only caveat is that it wouldn't have to be the GOAT for me. It'd be just really, yeah. really good. You know, somebody I just mm-hmm. can't leave off that I know is a Hall of Famer. But maybe a guy who, I don't want to say a guy who's on the fence, but a guy who, ah, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, but not on a mortal lock. That's a guy I probably wouldn't want to put in on the, on the first ballot. I do believe the first ballot is somewhat special. You know, it is for the special players in the game. The guys, you know, like I said, the Bradys, uh, the Manning. I look at quarterbacks. That's all we ever look at that in this league. Uh, you know, the, um, guys like Jerry Rice. You know, the guys you just you just know are the greatest of the great. Uh, guys like that. Uh, so I do think there's a special thing about being a first ballot. Yeah, no doubt. So, um, but with Gore, I don't. I don't think. Put it like this. Back to Kenyon Drake. But who would you rather have, Kenyon Drake or Joe Mixon? Ooh, I have Mixon ranked higher because yeah. I think he's going to be with uh, the goal line guy there. So that's that's really the. I think Drake will probably get more yardage, but I think the touchdowns go to Mixon. Maybe a slightly more upside if that offensive line can figure it out. But I think these are both poor teams. Yeah, no doubt, I, and I agree with you. I agree with you on that. I if I had to make it to the, the, the decision, one draft I would take Drake, one draft I would take Mixon. If you're only doing one team. Oh, and you have similar decision, man. It's a tough call right there. I would take. I would go with the. I would go if I only had one team. I would go Joe Mixon because I think the team would be a little bit better. I know Gio Bernard is still in the mix, but I think Mixon is a player that could break out. When people say to me who could be this year's Todd Gurley, you kind of circle Joe Mixon's name and be like, it's something right there. So I will have some shares. Whoever hits on that RB two this year, I'm telling you, the people right now, fantasy owners. The people, the person that's going to win your league is the person that's going to hit at that RB2. That's the person who's going to win your league. It's going to be three or four guys that's going to come out of nowhere and hit as RB2s. I'm more likely to gamble on a rookie or a second-year player like Mixon than a guy like Drake on a bad team, even though I think Drake can be solid. So that's how. That's why I would make um, that determination right there. Another running back in that area where you start to talk about these RB2s is Alex Collins. And we all know the situation with the Baltimore Ravens. First of all, not much talent on this team either. The most talented thing on this team is their head coach, the way he has that team in position to get into the playoffs each and every year with Joe Flacco throwing seven-yard passes behind a crap offensive line with no talent on the outside and just relying on that defense and coaching. With that being said, we saw Alex Collins have some breakout moments last year. He's a guy that's in the RB2 conversation. But what do we always say about Baltimore Ravens running back? You don't know who the guy is going to be. Kenneth Dixon, who they like, will return this year at some point. 
Oh, man, if you Collins is the type of player that can get out to a good start, that could be, begin to be shaky. He doesn't really catch too many passes, but he's a good, solid running back. I didn't hear him nowhere off of no waiver wise last year, George. This year, Collins is an RB2. I think I can do it. I can do it too, but it's probably not ideal. Uh, Collins, that's yeah, probably Collins last year because uh, Hardboard didn't trust him in the beginning, maybe the first six, eight games, whatever it was, because he had a tendency to put the ball on the ground in the red zone. You know, once he got over that, all of a sudden he became fantasy worthy. But you brought up the problem. Man, there's a lot there. You know, it's, where, always, it's always something. Right? Yeah. Well, that, once again, it's, it's the running backs here. You know, and this grouping, it is a problem. There's a reason why they're available late in the, you know, late in the RB2 with top 20, top 24 backs here. Collins, Allen, Dix, it's a mess because nobody is really a, a star here. You know, there's no future Emmitt Smiths here or anything like that. No Pro Bowls here. But they all have, have something to offer here. You know, and really Dixon's the one I worry about. He got suspended last year. But he's the one who really, if he didn't get suspended, might have been the starter last year. So no they doubt. go back to him. You know, or because of what Collins did last year. And Allen, which is really a decent one-two punch for what they brought. They sort of reminded me, not the same type of, uh, as Howard and Cohen in Chicago, but that sort of thing. Where one could be the catcher and one could be the, uh, the runner here. But Dixon adds to this. You know, is he going to take away touches from Collins, which wouldn't shock me. I, think, I, think, I don't think Allen – I think Allen does what he does. But I think Dixon could impact Collins somewhat. That being said, I think Collins gets first crack at it. So I think he does have to fail not to, be, uh, not to have the job. But I think failure could come because I like what they've done at wide receiver. You know, you brought in Crabtree, Brown, Snead. It's immensely better than you've ever had, at least not in the past five, seven years. Tight end, okay, uh, you drafted there, Hayden Hurst. We'll see how that works out there. So you've given Flacco some weapons, but can Flacco do anything with those weapons? Because if he can't, the team's going to build up to stop the run. You know, so I, I wonder about that. I have Collins as a low-end RB2. So, yes, I'm drafting him as an RB2, but low-end RB2. But out of all the players we've named so far, he scares me the most. Oh, okay. And 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 – yeah, I, I can see that. I th- wow, well, I don't know if I would trust I would trust Collins more than I would trust Drake, to be honest with you. I think the guy that we can trust that comes in this group and is Jordan Howard. I just worry about what Howard is. I think when people start to see him going in the third round and they're gonna be like, Okay, I need a running back, they're gonna push him into the second. Yeah, you're thinking of what happened. I think people, I agree, because I think what's going to happen is people are remembering last year. Oh, yeah, he was so highly ranked last year. He was a first rounder in some league. Da 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 da. Uh, listen, the offense is better. You know, I think I've used the term that they now have a legitimate NFL offense, which I, I, I believe. I truly believe. They're, it looks good. They, on paper, you look at what they have here. They help the wide receivers out. You get Allen Robinson. Uh, you trip Anthony Miller. I love Trey Burton at tight end. Trubisky another year. So I like what that brings because now I don't think teams can load up in the box. I mean, last year, really, they had, no, they had a bunch of garbage cans at wide receiver. It was terrible, which means teams are stopping Jordan Howard. So I'm kind of interested in Howard, but he's not an RB1. You know, even with his upside this year, he's not an RB1. Tariq Cohen can play, and he's going to get – he has to get his touches. There's no choice there. He has to get his touches. I don't think they'll run the ball as much this year. I think it'll be more of a balanced offense. I think that affects Howard as well. I do like what he brings to the table, but I think he was always overrated or overranked, whichever way you want to look at it. So I think where he is now, mid to late range RB2, is what he is. I think that's good for him. Just be the goal line guy. One thing we know about Howard is he can't catch the ball. 
No, no, he has hands and stones, and Tariq Cohen is going to get that work. They got Allen Robinson in the mix now, too, so don't really have to worry too much about that. But um, when it comes to Jordan Howard, if he's there in the third and I have already have one running back and one wide receiver, it would be pretty hard for me to pass on uh, Jordan Howard because I think I'll be able to get some more wide receivers a little bit later on in the program. We come back on the other side. Got three rookies we want to discuss. Guys new to the NFL, let you know what we think their roles would be. And then plus, a, a Super Bowl champion in Philadelphia, let you know what his value is. Plus your telephone calls, 844-843-6879. It is the Fantasy Football Frenzy. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Fantasy Football Frenzy Weekend Edition right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The exec and George Kurtz. Tomorrow afternoon, 1 p.m. East, weekday edition of the Fantasy Football Frenzy Return. Myself, the all-in kid, Jake Seeley, and Wall Street, Matt Medica. We'll get you covered from 1 to 2 p.m. If you're on the East Coast, we are the lead-in to the best friends forever. Doot, 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 doot. George, do you sing along with the BFFs? Corey, how can oh. how can how can we not sing along with the BFFs? You want to know you want to know a story of my life? Well, let me tell you why I was a little late on the uh, on the intro here, Corey. I mean, let me tell you about this. All right, a couple of weeks ago, uh, maybe you saw it on my social media, maybe you didn't, but uh, I'm on my way to the gym and I almost hit a turkey. Okay, oh. uh, a turkey was fl- actually flying across the road. Uh, I, I don't know how I didn't hit it. All right, then uh, I come home and I'm in the backyard doing a little yard work, do a little yard work, Corey, and I find a fish in my yard. Perfect fish. All right. I mean, uh, it ends up being my wife tells me it's a koi fish, which apparently is uh, something people would put in their uh, uh, those little ponds they have. Uh, okay. I don't have one of those, but all right. And I guess uh, wife's telling me that uh, she thinks odds are a cat took it, you know. And then uh, she she says according to, according to my wife that cats will leave those as like in your in your yard as like uh, a thank you for letting they, it's weird like for thank, letting them be in your yard something like that because I do have some stray cats that go through the yard. And my wife just tells me right now that once again another koi fish is in my, is in our yard. Wow. The stupid cat keeps leaving me presents. And now I got to go tell my neighbor, because my neighbor about two houses down has a koi pond. You might want to put a screen over this because Garfield's having a ball. (laughs) A lot of things to break down. A lot of things to break down from this story right here. First of all, uh, the uh, Kurtz Palatial Estate does not have its own pond, which I, I, I could have swore it did. Better yet, I thought you had a moat at the palatial estate. Or at least you let Scott, (laughs) or at least you let Scott Angle tell it. And secondly, I, this is news to me. 
the cat, in order to say thank you for letting him hang out uh, in your backyard, he's bringing you this is something that y'all it's Sunday. He's like, listen, the cat says, listen, thanks for letting me hang out here. And gratitude to your service. Here's a fish that you can cook for the family today. Maybe Harry, we were hungry. He's listening in. <laughs> we were complaining during the opening of the show that neither one of us has eaten breakfast. And he said, hey, uh, it's weird, though, because uh, if you're trying, the, the fish, at least the one I found, I haven't seen this one, was in perfect condition. So if the cat birthday, uh. it didn't eat it. You know, you think yeah. the cat would have eaten the fish, but that's why I said, you know, it's a, like a tribute thing, whatever. I mean, what am I, the godfather here? I need tribute? Uh, <laughs> whatever. I've also had someone tell me that they, it could be a, uh, uh, a seagull. I do live a, okay. uh, a few miles from the Long Island Sound. Uh, that it could be a seagull that came down and, and grabbed it. But uh, the consensus uh, among people I talk to seem to be that it's a cat that uh, is leaving the fish there. So uh, this stu- and I agree because to tell you, I've never seen a, a seagull by my house. But it could be a hawk, I guess. They, did, they would do it, too. But whatever it is, the stupid thing keeps leaving me fish. I don't like fish. You can clearly go to the store and purchase a fish. But also, you know what? Shout out to the cat for paying it forward. There you go right there. 844-843-6879. <laughs> Telephone number to get involved. Um, so last year, oh I, I, oh, I killed Scott about this last year, and I'll kill, it about him, I'll kill him about it again this year. Scott was talking up this clown, Sam Pirine. DC running back Sam P. Ryan. Oh, Sam P. Ryan this. Sam P. Ryan that. And I tell Scott, Scott, Washington is not the place that you go to get your running backs. Turned out P. Ryan had a good game or two down the stretch. But definitely, if you were a P. Ryan owner, you were not satisfied. This year in the draft, DC goes back to that draft's back, goes back into that backfield. They pick up LSU running back Darius Geis. Now, granted, I said DC is not a place that you go to look for your fantasy backs. But Geis was a guy that was widely considered the second-best running back in this class after uh, Saquon Barkley. But obviously playing at LSU, who's offensively limited, that brings his value down to NFL uh, scouts, not to mention the fact could have been some off-the-field stuff, was banged up at times last year. But Geis looks like he's in a good spot in D.C. I, George, personally don't think P. Ryan is going to be anything – going to have any success trying to take this job from Darius guys. I think guys can be a three down back who could be a first or second rounder when we go to draft in 2019. I'm in on Darius guys. Yeah, I, I, he need to be quiet about guys. Because I want okay. him. Right. Okay. He, I want him in all my leagues. Yeah, I think the man is talented. I think he fell in with draft because of uh, whatever happened during these interviews where he maybe he lied, maybe he did, whatever. I don't really care. You know, that doesn't matter. I think the man is talented. I think he probably should keep his mouth shut, but he's talented. I think he is the back to own there in Washington by far, and he's the guy I'm hoping to get. Yeah, he was about round four. He's the guy I want because if you could, if I could pair guys, and let's say, let's say I didn't get one of those top backs, the Elliots, the Bells, uh, all those guys. You know, I had to settle with someone. You know, McCoy Freeman. Man, I wouldn't mind uh, pairing someone like that. A problem about RB1 with guys. You know, because he's the guy out of all the problems with the RB2s, I trust him the most because of what you said. I think he could be a three-down back. Yes, he's going to work somewhat with Chris Thompson, but that's true of most backs. You know, the majority of backs in the NFL aren't gone. You know, once again, there's a reason why Elliott, Bell, Johnson, they all go early because they are the bell cow backs. They don't have a, a caddy. Most backs do have some sort of caddy, either a third-down back or a guy who's going to split touches with them. So I don't really sweat that all that much. I just want the touchdown guy, and the touchdown guy is going to be Geis. You know, Alex Smith – 
I may not love him as a quarterback, but he won't make the mistakes. He'll move the offense somewhat. It'll be more conservative. But I think Washington's going to be a better team overall than they were last year. This is not a knock on Cousins at all. I think Cousins would have been good with Geis as well. But uh, but the point is this. I like Geis a lot. He's a guy I'm, I'm going to hope to steal. I have a funny feeling, though, you know, we're talking about this in June. By the time the majority of my drafts come on in August, you know, early September, I think quite a few of us are going to be on Geis. Here's, here's the deal with the guys situation, right? And you, you bring up a point if you can get him as a two, especially in that fourth, fifth round range. I'm going I'm to give you a mock team through four rounds. Let me know if you're comfortable with this. And let's just say you're drafting out the six or seven. Uh, let's say you're drafting out the, the five or six hole. Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Jordan Howard, Darius Geis. Yeah, I'm comfortable with that. You know, it's okay. probably, I mean, I love Brown. I mean, who, we all love Brown, okay? Evans, uh, I think, is a bounce back candidate, and you got him in round two this year. Howard, listen, he, he scares me somewhat, but he's a decent back, and I imagine he does have that upside. Just, I think he was overrated last year, overranked last year as an RB1. I think he is an RB2, and I already set up my love for guys here. I would roll with this team. I'll take my chance of four round, my top four rounds of these four players. I'll take my chance that the next uh, 12 rounds, I'm not going to screw it up. And the reason why I break it down and put those plays in it, because when you look at roster construction and the way you develop your roster, you take a running back like Jordan Howard, who's not going to give you no catches, right? And you take a guy like a guy like Geis, who we don't know what he's going to be able to do out the backfield as of yet. You can take that gamble because guess what? Antonio Brown is going to give you 105 to 115 catches. So you don't have to worry about having that big stud PPR back. Would you agree with that? Yes, because there are different ways to uh, to draft a team. I said, all I'm taking running back first round, but if I have that like that fifth pick, that sixth pick, and all the top running backs went and Brown is there, and I think Brown will go a little earlier than that. But if Brown is there, I'm not passing him up, not in PPR. And once again, I think Corey and I, unless you're working with Jake Seeley, I think we're, we're always talking PPR. It's really the new yeah. standard. You're working with Jake, yeah, we got to redo this. But you're working with most of us. So when I say that, I must, I'm, I want everybody to know we're, we're always talking PPR first. You know, standard, I'll, we'll say standard if we mean standard. Uh, I love Brown because of what you said. The catch is going to be there. You know, that offense, you know, no matter what you think about anything, the offense can move. Yeah, sure, they have problems on the road, but Brown still gets his catches on the road. He's just a better player at home. So Antonio Brown, to me, allows you to do different things. Where now I don't have to worry about that top running back as much because you have the top, top wide receiver who does everything for you. So you're covered there either way. Um. Another running back, rookie running back, that I think could be interesting this year outside of um, Mr. Geis. And I, like I said, I would, go in on, I would go in on Geis. I would not be surprised if D.C. won the division. I think D.C. can be sneaky good this year. You get some stability at quarterback. I think that's what Gruden wanted uh, coming in. If the kid Josh Doxson, we know what we got with Jamison Crowder. If the kid Josh Doxson can finally hit then I think D.C. can have a little bit. Obviously not going to get much from Jordan Reed, but Alex Smith and Vernon Davis clearly have a connection. May have been a decade ago, but they should be able to get that thing rolling. D.C. better defensively this year, too, and across the O-line. I would watch out for D.C. They could be a sneaky team. But when you go to the AFC, a team that people would think it could have been a sneaky team last year was the Denver Broncos. C.J. Anderson is going from that situation now. They draft the young man Royce Freeman. People are in on Freeman. My thing with Freeman is this. Give me the other guy, Devontae Booker. I thought last year Devontae Booker was the best running back in that backfield, and I think this year before everybody loads up and overdrafts Royce Freeman, how about wait a couple rounds later and take Devontae Booker? I probably don't I mean, 
I am waiting a couple of rounds later because I don't want really either one of them. I don't trust the offensive line yet. See if that gets fixed. I don't trust Case Keenum, so I don't know if the passing game is going to be a true threat there. I think this is a team that wants to win with the defense. You know, you draft Chubb, you got Von Miller, you want to rush the quarterback. You're going back to where, what you had a few years ago with the Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware. And you don't want the quarterback to lose the game for you. You could be a little bit more than a game manager, but you don't want him to lose the game for you. And you'd like to be able to run the ball. I just don't know if you can. So to me, these are either one. You know, it, they're not the fool to me. I'm not reaching for either one. I have them both in the RB3 range. You know, uh, and I just, bottom is I don't trust. I don't really trust his offense as a whole. Because once I don't really trust Keenum, which is my problem coming over and over again. You know, I know it's a Jeff Fisher thing. That's why Fisher held him back. And maybe there's something to that. But I, I don't know. I think last year was sort of a, uh, a magical year, a year where he sold his soul, and now the the, the price comes uh, due this season when he falls back to being a pumpkin. I'm mixing my metaphors. Uh, so uh, bottom line is I, I just don't trust him. Just don't trust Keenum. Don't trust the running game. I'll be staying away. They, like I said, they would have to fall to me, Corey, where, all right, it's the best of what's available. Fine. I'm not reaching at all here. Wow. So there you go. George Kurtz out on the Denver Broncos running back situation. Are you out on the Patriots situation? Sony Michelle is a guy that they go and pick up in the draft, an exciting young player, not to mention the fact he comes. I believe in lineage. And one thing that lineage teaches me is Georgia Bulldog running backs translate well to the NFL. Michelle should translate well to the NFL. A lot of people compare him to um, Alvin Kamara out there in New Orleans. The problem is he's not in New Orleans. He's in New England where you never know what's going to happen. Well, you can trust your lineage. I'm going to trust history. And history says Bill Belichick hates fantasy football, hates fantasy football owners, and hates running backs. You know, I, I was shocked. Shocked they took uh, Michelle in the first round. I do think he's the best running back they've had. I don't know. Is this Curtis Martin? You know, Maybe. It's, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. I think he is that good. I mean, but is he going to go away from what has won him games? You know, you throw in the offensive line is so-so at best. You know, he lost order. I mean, that's going to be a problem there. You still got Burkhead, James White, Jeremy Hill, Mike Gillisley, Brandon Bolden. Now, granted, these guys, all these guys are not going to be on the team. My guess is Gillisley and Bolden are going to go bye-bye. Maybe Hill uh, instead of one of those two. But you still got James White who's going to need to touch the ball. Burkhead was good last year as well. He's No matter what happens here, this is not going to be your typical running back tandem or trio or quartet, whatever it is. It's not going to be like other teams, even those other teams that do have running back by committees. Because Bill Belichick only cares about one thing, winning, winning football games. He doesn't care about egos. He's not worried about getting your touches this week. If he believes, you know, week four at such and such team, the best way to win is to get James White the ball, then guess what? James White's getting the ball, and just Sony Michelle won't be. You know, and the vice versa could be true as well if he believes that, hey, Michelle, i got to use Michelle this week. That's the week. Maybe this is the week where Brady's going to throw the ball 50 times. That's how we're going to beat this team. <coughs> Excuse me. This is how Bill Belichick operates. He doesn't care about Eagles. He doesn't care about getting you touches. He cares about winning football games. So there'll be weeks you start Michelle, and it's just there's just nothing there, nothing going on. You know, so I'm going to have a really tough time trusting him. I like the talent. I just would have liked him a whole lot more had he not ended up on New England. A different situation would have been a go for Sonny Michelle all over fantasy football drafts. Matter of fact, a different situation, you could have seen him as the second running back go off the board. Let's say if he ended up in a place like Seattle or something like that, Michelle could have been a guy that, uh, even if he didn't end up in a place I'm about to talk about next, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think Michelle could have been a guy <clears throat> excuse me, that really had some value because it's a copycat league. If you hit with Kamara last year, you think you're going to hit with a similar talent in Michelle this year. Now, with that being said, Ronald Jones, 
Coast to Tampa Bay. He looks like he can have a good control of that backfield with Jameis Winston. Team was disappointed last year. They got pieces on offense, though, George. A lot of pieces, maybe too many, but none really in the backfield. None they drafted young man Ronald Jones the second. I'll give him that since he put it on his name. Um, and I, how you feel? I think. Listen, I can trust Tampa Bay's running game. We've seen it have success in the past. Right? I mean, we've seen it have success in the past. You know, you mentioned they have uh, other weapons. You know, Evans, Deshaun Jackson. I like Chris Godwin this year as a sleeper in deeper leagues. Uh, Cameron Braid, uh, O.J. Howard. The passing options are there. And I bring that up because that means, once again, no eight men in the box. Teams going to be worried about Mike Evans. You know, teams going to be worried about Deshaun Jackson going over the top. So that's where the safety's going. My question about this offense is Jameis Winston. Can he finally... Yeah, you know, I'm gonna say take that next step, but really, just just don't be bad. Just just be just show some kind of improvement here, because if he does, this is an extremely dangerous offense because they they should be able to score points. I mean, almost at will when you look at the players they have here. I like Ronald Jones. I I like once again. I like the talent. May not trust Winston, but I would probably take Jones over Michelle because I do think this is more of a traditional running back situation here. You know, you got Peyton Bobby, you got Jaquez Rogers, Sims, but those guys are guys. You know, they're just guys. You know, they're not someone who should really be taking all that many touches away from Jones. Now that Jones will be the bell cow, but he'll be the guy I want to own out of all of these. So it's it's not Jones I'm worried about. It's Winston. Can he finally come close to realizing his potential? I think this is a watershed year for Winston right here. Listen, somebody's going to have to leave that situation at the end of the year. I got a good feeling it's not going to be Jameis Winston. It's going to be Dirk Cutter. But Dirk Cutter's job is in the hands of Jameis Winston this year. People thought that team was going to be able to do very well last year. They flamed out. They could have a bounce back year. Like I said, how D.C. could win the NFC East. The Bucks can win the NFC South. They have that kind of talent on the team, and they've gotten better on both sides of the ball in the offseason. Jameis Winston-Dirk Cutter relationship is going to be very important. The key to Jameis Winston is the ability to play free. And I think Winston worries about turning the football over. And it makes him, and it make, it causes him to make more mistakes because he's thinking too much. I think you let Winston get out there and just wing it like a Romo, like a Favre. I think Winston bounces back, and I think Ronald Jones is in a good situation. He's the guy along with Darius guys as rookie running backs that I'd be willing to get in on this year, George. Yeah, I'm with you. Like I said, I'm with you, and I also think as far as I agree with you about uh, Winston. You mentioned that yesterday on the show. I think this is the, the year he has to prove that he, uh, if he doesn't get it done. I, I, I can't believe Cutter has a job still, but I think he's been fired last year. As for Winston, I think that, uh, if he doesn't get uh, done this year, he's still have a job, but next year there'll be competition. You know, they'll yeah, bring no in some kind it. of veteran there to compete with him. Wow, so Jameis Winston. He looked like a lock when he was coming out of college. He really did look like a lock. And I, listen, we've seen flashes of brilliance. The guy had six games last year where he threw for over 300 yards. So he can get the job done. The mental piece needs to come along and go further. One hour in the books. Another hour of the fantasy football frenzy coming up. Get into some wide receiver talks. Bust the telephone lines remain open. 844-843-6879.